There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Oh, good evening, my friends. Welcome to the weekend. Incredible times, I must say. I've been uh, sharing with you my home renovation uh, drama. Uh, it's actually been quite uh, smooth, I must say. Uh, experience uh, pays off in the end. Uh, but uh, the real economy is just incredible. Uh, it truly is. I, I just got to share with you, uh, my 18-year-old Volkswagen was giving me some trouble. So I said, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to buy a new car. My neighbors laugh at me when they see me drive my car. And I said, you laugh away. Um, but it's time to get a new car. And I decided, all right, today's the day. As I drop my car off for a quick repair, let me see if I can buy a new car. My good God, there was no soup on the shelves, no bread on the shelves. I felt like I was in Russia during the, during the Cold War. I really did. A Volkswagen dealership had two vehicles in the showroom. Uh, I went to an Audi dealership. Uh, they had one A5 that I was interested in. Um, it was shown as suggested retail price. It had 4,500 kilometers on it. It had six months less warranty on it it had a few stone chips on it and they offered me a discount of 2500 bucks i said are you kidding me 2500 discount for a used vehicle with stone chips unbelievable uh the story gets better i spoke to a colleague of mine who has a, a fancy schmancy car uh had it for three years took it in for an oil change and the dealership owner uh, approached him and said i will give you full freight for that car of yours. I will pay you back everything that you paid me for that car if you sell it to me right now. And he handed him the keys. Um, there is such a shortage uh, of everything. Um, but my two by fours, now that I've built my home or framed my home, uh, they're back in, back in line. Uh, Jack, uh, I've been sharing my, my drama with you. It's been quite, quite remarkable, I must say. But uh, well, what's your opinion uh, in terms of the real economy, what we're seeing, and, and how does that tie into the marketplace, in your opinion? I think Wolf people are really seeing it. You know, like you said, on the uh, on the shelves, right? You look, I go into Costco now. I used to be able to go get a you know package of steaks for thirty dollars. People go go to Costco now. It's like fifty, sixty bucks. Like you're looking at just commodities. And again, you look at the um, the consumer price index. It doesn't actually include food, which everyone consumes. Obviously, it doesn't include fuel, which you can see what's going on over in uh, the UK right now. Um, you know, no, no, to stop right there, sorry, Jack, stop right there, because you're, you're, you're on top of the, the, the energy story better than I am right now. Uh, please, to speak to the audience, tell, tell them what is taking place in the world of oil and gas. Well, what's happening is it's not that they have a shortage of oil over... Sorry, so who's they? Who's, the, who's they? Over in the UK. It's not like that they have a shortage of gas and oil in the UK. The fact is, because of, um, because of uh, exiting or Brexit that occurred, they have a shortage of labor, so they can't transport the fuels to the fuel stations. So a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, the Britons or the, the people over in the UK, they were actually filling up water bottles with fuel and they were be told not to do so. Now they actually have, from my understanding, um, that the military is starting to, to drive transport trucks. Um, so it's a, it's a logistical nightmare. Um, the other issue that is going on over in Europe right now is they're very dependent on natural gas. Uh, natural gas is spiking immensely because of shortages. And, um, you know, right now, here in North America, we supply our own natural gas. We have excess natural gas. Over there, they're reliant on uh, to receive natural gas from Russia. So the fact is, natural gas prices are spiking. You're getting into the, the seasonal, obviously, cold period uh, in the north. And um, it's just really getting started, I believe. 
Well, I know you want to get into some discussion uh, with our next guest, our second guest, I should say, Kevin Muir, um, the macro tourist. Uh, you want to talk to energy with him and see uh, his view on the energy market, because uh, certainly it has been quite interesting with the political pushback on carbon, uh, yet the world continues to require carbon to uh, uh, operate day-to-day activity. Uh, there's a disconnect there uh, between supply and demand. We'll have to get into that part of the show. Uh, look, my good, look, my friends. Um, it is the season once again. It's getting damp outside. It's getting colder outside. Uh, the problems that society had before COVID, I'm referring to uh, poverty. I'm referring to homelessness. I'm referring to the disenfranchised, the marginalized, um, the, the, the mental health issues. The problems are immense. Uh, friends, if you've been listening to this show and paying attention to what Jack and I said, you should be richer than you think. Uh, to steal the pun from one of those big banks, but uh, the market has been good. The economy has been good. If you're engaged and participating and doing as we say, you are doing just fine. And I'm going to have to ask you, and I'm going to beg you, please, uh, I want you to help out the next cause. We're going to talk with Covenant House. Uh, they do such an amazing job, as do so many charities in, in, in Canada and Toronto, to help the homeless situation. But uh, it's never enough. Uh, perhaps, you know, I, and I believe we could solve this problem. Uh, we just have to do more. Uh, but the statistics are such that 3,000 youth sleep on the streets in the GTA each and every night. Um, so without further ado, let, let's talk about uh, the power of money and, and what you're supposed to do with money. That is, you can do good with it. And you can't buy a car anyways. And don't pay full freight. Don't waste your money. But when it comes to charitable giving... Unfortunately, we have to continue to do so. It's a, it's, it's a moral obligation, especially to those who have, and friends, you have, I have, Jack has, and we shall all do our part to uh, make this a better place to live. Uh, Mr. Mark Aston, he's executive director at Covenant House. Um, of course, 20 years of experience in the not-for-profit sector, executive director of Fred Victor, transformed the organization into one of the leading agencies addressing homelessness and poverty in Toronto. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for spending some time with us. We are, of course, going to speak about the executive sleepout. It's, I believe, the 10th annual taking place this November. That's right. And uh, thanks very much, Wolfgang. Great to be on with you. Yes, uh, on November 18th, we have our 10th uh, year of the executive sleepout. And we've got a goal this year of raising $1.1 million. And I can tell you, we, we need it now more than we ever did. The pandemic has been difficult for everyone, but it has been really hard on young people who are experiencing homelessness, young people experiencing trafficking. So uh, we're really gearing up for that. It's, it's going to be a great event. Uh, it, you know, it connects people to the work. It educates them about the issues of youth homelessness. And the support really enables us to deliver solutions. So we're, we're really looking forward to it. Um, in terms of education, uh, I think the, the most powerful thing uh, we can do to educate ourselves uh, on the cause and the cure is to visit uh, any one of your favorite charities. Uh, if it's Covenant House, if it's the Scott Mission, uh, if it's the um, Young Street Mission, there is so many great facilities out there who do their part. Uh, I just somehow great gravitated towards Covenant House. Probably by default, my parents were big supporters, and uh, I'm going to carry that torch. Um, <clears throat> Mark, uh, November 18th, uh, is it going to be a uh, back to normal sleep out? Last year, 
it became disconnected with COVID. Um, and it was difficult, I think, to communicate the message last year. Tell me about last year's event. How did it go? Um, uh, how much did you raise? And tell me about this year's event. Uh, where will it take place uh, with COVID uh, as a backdrop uh, situation? Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, last year's event was was very successful. We raised about 1.2 million, um, but we did do a virtual event. Uh, we we had a program that people would dial into, and and we came up with what we thought was kind of a a novel and workable concept. That hey, look, you can sleep out wherever that works for you. So people could sleep out on their balconies, their porches, they could have a friend or two over and sleep out in their backyard. So that's essentially how we had to deliver the event last year. And this year we're doing something similar because as you know, unfortunately, we're, we're still in this uh, fourth wave uh, and the Delta virus is, is, you know, a variant, sorry, is still around. So we're looking uh, again at delivering the program virtually. We think we've got a really good lineup of speakers and videos and presentations. But I would say it's it's not the same, <clears throat> excuse me, as visiting the site in person. But we really hope to get back to that in 2022. Um, well, here's the deal. Um, I. Uh, last year missed the event, and it, it really was a communication breakdown. Uh, I didn't think the event was taking place. I did see a tweet from Pinball Clements that he was going to participate, but that was about the only uh, communication I received last year, so I apologize for not joining. This year, you invited me to the event, but uh, I'm going to be on vacation. Um, I'm blessed. I'm going to be going to Hawaii, uh, staying in a very swanky resort, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to participate, so I'm going to opt out of a nice, comfortable bed in a beautiful hotel and sleep outside in Hawaii. Does it sound tough? I don't know. I do hear there are tarantulas out there, right? and I don't like spiders so much. So I am putting myself at risk, and hopefully I don't get charged with vagrancy in a foreign country. That wouldn't be fun either, but uh, I'm in, all right? So uh, friends at home, friends, that's, please. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, and I think this is, this is exactly the point. Um, this, is, this is connecting you to the work, and... You know, whether it's it's warmer in Hawaii than Toronto, I think it you'll still have some time to to reflect on the nature of the issues facing young people or homeless. So awesome that you're you're participating this year and thank thanks so much for your support. Well, no, I, I want to raise a hundred grand for you. Um so it's a big goal, but I missed last year. Wow. So I want to do my part. I want to do my part this year. We'll see how far we can get. But again, with the listeners of Hi-Fi Radio, please. Uh, I ask you to join me. I want you to get to the Covenant House website. Uh, hopefully, my page is up. Uh, and please donate. There, there, no amount too 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 small, and certainly no amount too large. And and friends at home, the market has been so strong. So if you are a holder of stock uh, and you're going to donate, uh, don't donate cash. Donate stock that has appreciated in price because when a stock runs up in price, when you sell it, you have to pay tax. Um, if you donate the shares, you will receive the full market value on your tax deduction and never have to pay the capital gains tax. So, in fact, it could virtually cost you a whole lot less in doing it this way. Uh, again, donate stock. And again, Mark, you will accept uh, stock, correct, from donors? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very effective way to be able to stretch a dollar. But becoming wealthy is it can be actually a boring process because uh, it's a whole lot of little things you're putting together and, and and the key is to really leverage a dollar and i say that the same with charitable giving you can leverage your charitable giving in that 
when you make a donation, say $1,000, and you receive a, a $450 tax refund, why not give that $450 back to the charity and receive another $250 refund? Continue the process. So one donation can be, in fact, six donations, but we have to do our part. Homelessness hurts all of us. Uh, look, stay tuned. We're going to talk more about uh, the executive sleepout uh, with Mark Aston, executive director at Covenant House. It's a great cause, and uh, I know... Uh, it'll make you feel good about yourself if you support it. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back, my friends. We're talking with Covenant House. Um, Mark Austin is the executive director. Uh, Covenant House, of course, is a shelter for uh, homeless youth right here in Toronto. It's a national facility. Uh, you're in Vancouver, Mark. Uh, where else uh, does Covenant House have uh, facilities? Yeah, Covenant House has two locations in Canada, about 25 in the United States, and uh, six in, in Mexico and Central America. I did not know that. 25 in America. Um, yeah. Huh. Did you have one in Hawaii, perchance? Not yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would honestly imagine that the, the, the same social issues exist there, but... Uh, there isn't a location there yet. You know, uh, social issues is the, is the operative word. Um, there are social issues, and they're, and they're mounting. And uh, a, a homelessness could get a lot worse, uh, of course, if prices continue to, housing prices continue to run away, because uh, the rental market is equally tight, and rents in these major centers are on the uptick big time. And, you know, becoming marginalized and running into some difficult times uh, can, can take someone from a comfortable bed to a very uncomfortable situation very, very quickly. Um, youth homelessness itself, Mark, you've, you must have looked at the statistics very closely, globally, nationally, and within our city. Uh, is the crisis getting less bad uh, or does it continue to actually escalate and get worse? Well, I, I, I have to say that I think the, the pandemic has really made it, it, it worse, and, and particularly the, the nature of the, the needs of young people that we're seeing now. Um, as you know, it's been, it's been difficult for a lot of people, but if you're alone and on the street, it's particularly difficult. And we're seeing some very, very acute needs in terms of mental health and addiction now with, with young people, and, and these have been exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, it's, it's also been disruptive to people, as, as, as you well know, and, and no less so for young people. They may have been in school and something may have happened to disrupt that, or indeed a job they might have been starting a sort of position and trying to build a career ladder, and they may, that may have got disrupted. So it's been an exceedingly difficult time the last 18 months to two years for young people. But I, I am hopeful 
I, I think there is there is good action by by levels of government now, and as you've mentioned, organisations, obviously including Covenant House, who have good solutions, and we we see some really good outcomes. So, th th those would be my thoughts. So, Mark, it's Jack here, just jumping in. Obviously, these issues do persist. What are you seeing in terms of the giving? Like, I, I talk to our clients, and I talk to a lot of them, and they are very. Um, they are very charitable, and the fact is, I think that they, they look at what's going on out there in the world, and they, they know that they're very fortunate. And with uh, COVID, the way that it hit everyone, um, lots of our clients—I know it because they tell me—are giving more. Are, are you seeing that um, on the street as well? Yeah, I mean, Toronto is an incredibly generous city, uh, and obviously, the residents and people here, and indeed across Ontario. Um, Covenant House is, is really completely dependent on community support. 75% of the revenue that comes in here is from private sources, donations. Wow. And our, our donors have stepped up in, in, in an incredibly big way over the last 18 months and really have enabled us to continue to keep our doors open, expand our services, and, and really make those extra efforts to meet youth need. So um, people have been incredibly generous. And if, if I can just say a quick thank you to Toronto for that, it's, it's really incredible and something uh, we should all be proud of. How many um, participants uh, are taking place in this year's Sleepout? And give us some of the uh, highlighted uh, individuals uh, that are going to uh, join us because there's some usually really cool uh, Torontonians and, and, and Ontarians and Canadians uh, who do get involved. Uh, Mark? Yeah, we, we have, uh, we're, we're aiming to have about 80, 85 um, people sleeping out uh, in, in, at, with the executive sleep out. Obviously, if we can exceed that number, that would be great. Um, our board members sleep out. Obviously, I'm sleeping out. Now, my, my fundraising goal is a little more modest than yours, Wolfgang. But, um, and we're, we're, we're expecting some engagement from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. So we, we, we think we'll have a a few celebrities like last time. So, yeah, it it, it should be a great event. And um, it, it, as I say, some wonderful people who are who are supporting us and supporting the youth. Yeah, no, I, Paul Coffey, uh, longtime supporter. Pinball Clements, longtime supporter. Um, uh, we have that movie producer friend that worked on Ice Road Truckers. His name behooves me at this moment, Jack. You know who I'm referring to. Uh, again, a longtime supporter. See, when people begin this... Um, journey of uh, helping you they seem to get quite hooked on and continue to do so um and i think that's very powerful uh, into itself uh mark but again there, there's there's obviously room for more participation correct mark so if, if one of our listeners out there wants to get involved in executive sleep out uh, how can they go about uh fundraising and and and, and getting uh, involved yeah, absolutely. There is there is room to get involved, Wolfgang. And just go to executivesleepout.ca to register. Um, we have a wonderful staff team who will sort of galvanize around anyone who's new, provide them the information, the support to fundraise, information about youth homelessness and the work of Covenant House. So we're, so we're here and ready to support anyone uh, who wants to get involved in this event. Well, I look forward to uh, being a part of your team, my friend. Uh, November 18th is the night. Uh, I shall sleep outside for the sake of 
homelessness, as will uh, 85 other uh, good people here in Toronto. Uh, participate, uh, either be a part of it or donate. Uh, please, it's an important cause. Uh, show us your love. Uh, Mark Aston, a real pleasure. I want to appreciate uh, your time. I want to wish you a safe weekend, my friend, and uh, we'll be uh, in touch. Uh, if not uh, soon, well, by November 18th, I look forward to it. That's great. Thanks for having me on, and thanks so much for your support, Wolfgang. It means a my, heck of a lot. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio, show about money, uh, the root of all good. You stay tuned, my friends. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Indeed, my friends, Saturday night, it's a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. By the way, if you have any questions about money, uh, WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. My team, Jack, myself, Zach, we're here for you. Uh, we have an army of people around us. Um, stocks, bonds, death taxes, insurance, planning, uh, change in life, inheritance, winning the lottery. We can help you. Uh, don't be shy. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Each and every Saturday, uh, here's where we are. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. It's a pleasure. It's a delight. It is so much fun. And we're trying to be socially responsible on the show as well. Uh, do our part to make this a better place to live. We're trying to educate and help each and every one of you to have more money. Um, Kevin Muir, a very, very smart man. He's an author, uh, the macro tourist. Um, to me, uh, he is a market student, um, a very, very uh, intelligent, institutional uh, equity guy. Uh, he used to work for one of the big six banks. Uh, him and I actually worked at the same bank for a number of years. Uh, worked on the derivatives book. Um, very smart guy. And as they say in life, my friends, surround yourself with very smart people. Uh, that's what I try to do. Uh, so Kevin Muir, author, The Macro Tourist, thank you very much for spending time with Jack and I. I know Jack was quite keen on getting you back on the show. Um, so, Jack, I'm going to throw it over to you. I want a few uh, energy questions you want to line up for our good friend Kevin, get his view on the world. Yeah, there's lots going on in the energy space right now. And, Kev, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate having you on. Really wanted to get your perspective on, you know, what's going on with uh, the, the economy as we move from, you know, a carbon-based economy into renewables. But uh, more pressing right now, what, what's your views on um, what we're seeing over in the UK and Europe just with uh, net gas and uh, oil at the pumps over in the UK? Well, it's crazy to be with you guys. Um, it's always been a pleasure. It's been too long since I've been, uh, COVID has made this a little difficult for us. So I I, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, okay, so in terms of energy, we've had this strange um, phenomenon where many of the governments and endowments, long-term money, have chosen to starve uh, the traditional fossil fuel industry of capital. And the reason they've done this is because they've thought that, you know, we have to switch and that the uh, global climate warming is, is an existential threat. And therefore, we need to do all this change. And so we're not going to give any money to new exploration. In fact, even the International Energy Petroleum Association, uh, they had a guideline that they said there should be no new expansion, uh, no new looking for reserves as of 2022. 
So we've had this situation that's been brewing for a, for a while now. You've seen many big endowments, many big sovereign wealth funds selling their shares. You actually even had a situation where there was a, an attempted, attempted coup almost on, on Exxon Mobile, Mobile, where they tried to stack the board with some with the kind of a protesters, environmentalists that were going to stop the. Uh, um, kind of the expansion of this fossil fuels. Now, the trouble about this is um, this is all great and, and wonderful. Uh, we, can, we can all try to move to green energy. But the thing is, if you do this too quick, if you get into a situation hmm. where you pull back on supply without, you know, uh, without actually having been able to replace it with the green energy and then demand stays the same, then you have a situation where things get a little squirrely. And that's what we're seeing right now across the board, especially in the UK. Uh, and uh, But it's not just there, and it's here. And, you know, it was, what, a year ago we were talking about negative oil prices. Uh, and now all of a sudden, look at oil. It's 75%, $75. It's been one of the best-performing sectors out there. And we've gone from being awash in uh, in energy to to – People been uh, having trouble procuring it, and uh, I even see that China recently were given orders by President Xi to uh, secure supplies at any cost. So this is the result of uh, changing over. Uh, the the big picture is that this is the result of uh, being too ambitious with our ESG mandate and uh, and uh, getting rid of too much supply without thinking about the amount of demand. I I kind of liken it to. Drug dealers, if you go and uh, cut, you know, in the war on, war on drugs, they went and cut back on uh, putting all the drug dealers in jail. Well, if you, you know, put all the drug dealers in jail, or a lot of them, and yet the people keep using drugs, then all that happens is the price of drugs goes up. And that's where we are right now. The price of the commodity has gone up. And I actually am surprised that anybody is surprised about this. And I'm even more shocked that governments are, 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 are kind of uh, – blaming the oil companies because to me if you want to change the kind of attitude and the and the behavior of of, uh, consumers then you have to change the price so to me this was always kind of to be expected and uh, I I find it interesting that anybody is surprised by this outcome it really is you look at the fact that uh, how much we depend on for our standard of living um, you know a a carbon-based economy and and the fact that uh, Governments have gone out and really what they're doing, and you're seeing it in Canada too, um, out west in Calgary. The, the fact is that they're they're trying to create policy um, that attacks the supply. When you mentioned about demand and everyone knows economics one-on-one, supply and demand. So attack the supply. And um, we see right now, demand is not only holding steady, it's actually increasing. As, as the economy reopens, you look at how much people are traveling, how much people are going back to work and, and actually starting to go on some vacations too. Um, you're going to see oil, I would su- expect, surpass you know previous peaks in the relatively you know near future, just with the fact that the economy continues to reopen. Um, you also look at China, what's going on in China, and mention that you know the, the, everyone thinks coal is an, an old uh, old fuel source, but the fact is that uh, you know to make steel, we still rely on coal, and um, th- there's yeah. shortage of it. And it sounds like you know in China they're trying to to secure as much coal as possible. So it's it's an interesting time that we live in. We all want to get to a, a carbon neutral and a green economy, but I, I think there's a, um, a reasonable and um, you know logical way to get there, and it can't just happen overnight. 
I, I completely agree. It's funny that you mentioned China because that was going to be where the next part of my equation I was going to head. Um, uh, it's funny also that you say coal. We need it to make steel. We also need coal to make Bitcoin these days because a lot of <laughs> the mining is actually done in China and then the, the power plants are using uh, um, uh, coal. But I, I, I look back at various countries as they've industrialized and I look back at Japan after World War II and you look at energy use per capita. And it looks like a hockey stick. And uh, sometimes when I'm explaining this to uh, international viewers, I have to tell them what a hockey stick is, but everyone here knows what it is. So, uh, you'll see the blade portion where, you know, the, let's say the GDP per person is going from one to 10,000 over a period of a decade. You'll see that the energy use will go up just slightly, just like the blade of a stick, but then we'll hit the, the, the shaft of the stick where it starts to explode higher. And it's around $10,000 per G- GDP. And you'll see that the, all of a sudden, uh, you know, people are using way more energy per capita. And history is replete with the examples like this. Japan went and did this after World War II. Korea did this, I believe, in the 70s and 80s. And it just looks like the energy p- per capita looks like a hockey stick. And when you go to uh, China, I believe that we're, we've just entered that period where we're, we're headed up the shaft. And the thing about China, though, is... There are so many people there, and the demand is going to just be enormous. And yes, China is working hard to make as many electric cars as they can because they are even more dependent than most uh, countries on importing fossil fuels. But but let's not kid ourselves. They're also going to be using tons and tons of fossil fuels. And so I see a situation where we have less supply because of our ESG and our and our basically our government mandates to to starve uh, fossil fuel companies of of capital, and then on the other side we have more demand. And the demand isn't just a sec I mean a cyclical story of COVID turning back on. It's also a secular story of China getting more wealthy. And right behind there we have uh, India coming up as well. Uh, Kevin, let's let's stick on this theme, um, big picture, macro theme, secular in nature. Uh, the China uh, emerging economy, uh, the, the 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 newly rising classes. Um, the world was looking forward to, to to seeing this take place, but then all of a sudden China stumbled a little bit, and it wasn't the force that it was. It was no longer growing its economy at 15%. Uh, it got into the almost low single-digit growth rate, which was, uh, for itself, uh, I think, quite disappointing. Um, but you're, you're, again, sensing some emergence in China, uh, yet there's also this government regulatory body that cares more about maintaining its control of the people, as Jack would put, than it does of the market itself. Um, so... I like the copper trade because I like the electrification trade. Um, that said, the economy is going to a bit of a, uh, a growth uh, scare. Uh, so the, the, some are saying that the, the commodity trade is, is going to be on the uh, back burner for a bit. But I think for the next five to 10 years, I think the copper trade continues to make a lot of sense. Um, Nat gas trade at these levels, I think, makes some sense, especially here in Canada, where you can find some good dividend-paying NAC gas producers. Um, so speak to that for the next five to 10 years, China's influence on those two sectors. So, well, if I'm in your boat, uh, I completely agree. Uh, copper, even though we, um, we will continue to use fossil fuel, we will have more and more of a move towards electrification. 
copper is going to be bid and it's going to be used um, for 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 years and decades to come. It's it's something that's not easily found. Uh, it takes big money to do it. I, I'm a hundred percent in your boat. Now let's talk about China and why China um, has stumbled lately. And um, although we look at it as a stumble. If you're sitting there and you're part of the Communist Party, they might not view it as much as much of a stumble as we think. Um, it's actually been very planned. And one of the things that I think as investors that we need to stop doing is we need to stop looking at commodities and saying, if China, China is what's going to drive this thing higher. And this is, you know, you're looking at copper and you're saying, I'm worried because I see China kind of stumbling and I'm worried that maybe copper is going to have trouble because of China. The reality is that, that China is no longer setting the price for a lot of commodities. And if we look at what happened after the um, great financial crisis, after the great financial crisis, we had a situation where China came in and stimulated and, and saved the world economy. Now, contrast that to the, after the COVID, COVID came and this time all Western world stimulated on a fiscal basis and actually saved the economy. And China did not need to do any. And if you look at their fiscal response after COVID, it was very limited. And so what you're seeing hmm. is an expected handoff from China as they mature into a more developed economy. And we need to stop assuming that they are going to be the only ones setting the price of commodities. My friends, hang out with people smarter than yourself. That's what Jack and I are doing right here, right now on Hi-Fi Radio. We're hanging out with Kevin Muir. He's an author, the macro tourist, very passionate about the markets, a seasoned uh, equity trader, a derivatives trader. Uh, this man knows his stuff. Uh, we're going to keep uh, poking at him to get some information to help us all be wealthier. Stay tuned. It's Hi-Fi Radio Global News, 640 Toronto. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back, my friends. It is a show about money, the root of all good. If you have it, share it. Don't forget, Covenant House, I'll be sleeping on the streets uh, for one night. Uh, it's not pleasant, uh, no matter where you are and what environment you're in. Uh, sleeping outside uh, is not fun, especially on a hard surface. Uh, and some kids have to do it each and every night. It is uh, unjust. It really is. Please help them. Uh, Covenant House. I'll be there. Uh, I'm your friend. Please uh, help your friend help others. Uh, Kevin Muir, a very smart man, author, the macro tourist, gracious enough to spend some time with Jack and I just to give us uh, a little edge so we can help you make more money. Um, let's talk about the market right here, right now, Kevin. Uh, this, this stock market this year uh, ran up, went sideways, grinded a little bit higher. Uh, with no correction greater than five or six percent, uh, so it's been a very low volatile year. Uh, we're due for some kind of a pullback. You'd got to think, and based on time, you know, taking more in the line of ten to fifteen percent from peak to trough. 
we're in the seasonal period of time, however, where the market is just about to get good. Uh, seasonally speaking, I'm speaking statistically. If you look, sell in May, go away, buy when it snows, sell when it goes. So usually by about the middle of October, uh, the, the the market's had a pullback and it, it sets it sets the footing to begin the next six months of strength. Uh, market hasn't pulled back very much. Lots of stimulus going on. Kevin, the economy is stranger than fiction. It's something I really have never seen before. As I renovate my house, I'm dealing with the real economy. I'm handing over dollar bills continuously, and I'm seeing so much demand, very tight supply in commodities, as we spoke about, in labor, in, in customer service, um, you name it. It, it, it is booming out there. I spoke about the automotive sector earlier, how I can't get myself a decent car uh, or non-negotiable in terms of price. There's no inventory in the marketplace. Uh, the market up here, you know, 20 times earnings, not too bad on a, on a valuation basis because earnings caught up with the market move. Jack and I were speaking about that just the other day off air as we had our little chow or powwow session, which we do frequently to uh, get better at this business. Um, so, What's your view on the market here? Seasonal strength, market continues higher, or do we see a, a reasonable pullback, Kevin? Okay, so um, lots to think about here. Um, I think that you, we need to stay, uh, take a step back and understand why the market has gone up since um, COVID. If we recall back to March of 2020, many people were bearish. They thought that they were closing the economy. This is the end of the world. Uh, there's no way that uh, we have too much debt. There's no way the governments can can spend any more. There's no way the central banks can help us. We're we're done, and we had a very scary moment in the market in in late March. Since then, we've been trucking higher, as you've explained. Um, I I have been bullish most of this time, and uh, I was actually a little early. But one of my the main kind of component to why I was so bullish was because I said we're going to see. Um, amazing um, support from central banks, but even more importantly, and this was the part that many people missed, is that we're going to get fiscal stimulus like we've never seen. Mm -hmm. And in essence, sorry, sorry, Kevin, I want to jump in. Can you please explain yep. to the audience what fiscal stimulus is? Because you, sure. you mentioned China as well with their lack of fiscal stimulus. This is a very important point because this is crowding out the labor market. What are you about to say? Well, it is, it is crowding out the labor market to some extent, and fiscal stimulus is basically when the government spends more than it takes in. They run a deficit. But that includes and handing out checks. That's correct. And you're like, no one's boy, like, I've never seen the government hand out checks the way we, they've handed out internationally. Uh, but you mentioned China less so. Okay. And, well, China did less. And, and that is one of the reasons that their economy wasn't as strong coming out of it. Um, but this goes back to let's think back to March. In March, everyone thought there was no way we would go up. And, and I was sitting there, I was saying, no, no, we're going to go up. This is the reality is that the government can fill the hole. They can fill the uh, economic hole more than we think. Now, it is my opinion that the government has not only filled the hole, but actually made a little pile above it. And I think that, <laughs> is, that is what you're seeing in terms of the, uh, the um, competition for, for the stuff. And that is why we are seeing some inflation. 
Yeah, you know what competition I mean? for labor, competition right. for, for, for stuff, Good like you said, for cement and for steel, uh, other infrastructure build, no doubt. Sorry, sorry to interject this. No I, problem. It's uh, more yeah. complicated than that because we have had also supply issues. So there's lots of different currents going on, different things. But let's face it, the government spending was one of the main factors, and I would argue was the factor of why the economy did well and why the markets did well. So now let's go to today. So, sorry, can I almost stop if I may interject? When yeah. you say government spending, I even think it's more, they, they didn't spend, they just handed out checks and people spent. Uh, and, yeah, and a lot of these okay, people went to, um, went to meme stocks. But the government like, spent in that they sent money out. The they sent money out, correct. This is, in, this is completely in contrast to the great financial crisis when after there the governments were worried about deficits and they actually withdrew. They said, oh, debt has got us into this problem, and so they stopped spending. And that's why it was one of the weakest recoveries on record, because the government would not spend. And now, uh, in 2020, they learned their lesson and combined with the fact that it was a, you know, a pandemic, they had the excuse, so they did it. Now, so what's happened since then is that we've got the inflation, and, and, and the economy is humming along. So we've got central banks for the first time getting nervous about inflation. And you saw it recently with the Fed Powell. He shifted. He, he announced a taper. A taper means that they're going to buy less bonds. It, it, is, it is, in essence, a tightening. And the important thing is that he tapered faster than the market expected. He changed the uh, timeline in which the market expected the stimulus to be withdrawn. So we have the central banks being tight. But even more importantly, we have governments suffering from what I call fiscal fatigue, meaning that <laughs> they've given out all this money, oh. and they're now saying, whoa, 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 look at all this. We better, we better start thinking about balancing the books. Don't think about the next three, three to six months. And if you do, just say, I hope things fall so I can keep buying, because the name of the game is buy and invest consistently. What I mean by that, every paycheck, invest. Dollar cost averaging is what the theorists call it. Just keep buying good stuff. And you do that for 20 or 30 years. And mark Jack's words, you will be rich. Well, my good friends, that's it for the show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please uh, don't forget about uh, the less fortunate. Uh, it is a time of year. Covenant House website. Uh, go to it, uh, WolfgangKlein.com. Please uh, help me out. Uh, I want to do my part. I want to really encourage you to participate. You'll feel really good about yourself and you'll get money back from the government. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.